Next on BYU Sports Nation, Cougar football in the national spotlight. Graham Watson of Yahoo Sports chimes in with her perspective on how and why BYU can remain a major player in college football. Riding a Texas-sized wave of momentum into rivalry week, BYU quarterbacks coach Jason Beck joins the program with insight on Taysom Hill and that Cougar passing game. Plus, would you rather have BYU play Utah this week or have the bye? Have an opinion and weigh in by tweeting at BYU Sports Nation. This is BYU Sports Nation on the BYU Radio Sports Network. Happy Thursday, sports friends. It is September 12th, exactly nine days from the rivalry bash in the Beehive State, BYU-Utah. Wherever and however you may be listening, thanks for fitting us into your busy day. Another jam-packed show in the spirit of the go fast, go hard BYU football mantra. That is what we Hurry, will let's do. Go. Lots of good stuff. Not a lot of time. Yahoo Sports' Graham Watson joins us in about 15 minutes. She spent a ton of time covering the BYU football program when the Cougars played in the Mountain West Conference, Jerem. Yeah, I'm excited to hear from uh, Graham Watson. You mentioned Jason Beck as well, BYU's offensive, or excuse me, quarterback's coach. We'll weigh in. Ja Beck, affectionately known to uh, BYU fans because of the John Beck, Jason Beck quarterback combo. The greatest name combo in BYU history. And he says something interesting. Why, why couldn't one just be Jay Beck and the other be Beck? More on that we'll later. We'll ask him later. Yeah, you can listen to BYU Sports Nation on BYURadio.org, the BYU Radio iOS app, Sirius XM Channel 143, and Dish Network 980. You can also catch the show on demand every afternoon on the BYU Radio YouTube channel. A downloadable podcast is forthcoming in the near future. Get excited. That's how you listen, and this is how you get involved in the conversation. Send your tweets to at BYU Sports Nation and vote in our daily poll question at BYUTVSports.com. Only two options for you today in the poll, but it offers for an intriguing debate. I mentioned it a moment ago. The question is, would you have preferred BYU to play Utah this Saturday or have a bye? So the two options, play Utah this week or a bye. Weigh in on the poll question. Uh, on BYUTVSports.com and tweet your opinion at BYU Sports Nation. We'll get to those tweets in the show. Now we're going to dive very deeply into that subject. And my friends, rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. Topic number one. And they came to pass. I mean run. I think he has all the arm strength he needs. He's accurate enough when his feet are right. And experience will make him... Right now, he's like the running part of Colin Kaepernick. Down the road, he will be like Colin Kaepernick. Listen, Colin Kaepernick is legit. ESPN's Colin Cowherd called Kaepernick the toughest guy to prepare for in the National Football League today. Hmm. I can't say that I disagree. Six foot five, he runs like a gazelle, and he has a rocket arm. I mean, just ask the Green Bay Packers how their last two games against the 49ers have gone. Uh, he ran he, good. Yeah, he ran wild on Green Bay in the playoffs, and then season opener he goes for four hundred plus through the air. So Colin Kaepernick, any comparison to that guy? I mean, huge, huge compliment. If Taysom can, and inevitably he will get better in the passing game, it will only make BYU football that much more difficult to prepare for, to handle. Teams are going to look at Texas at the game with Texas and say, "Just load the box." Load the box. Cover none, cover one. We're, we're going to see it. That's, a, that's how you beat them. Make them beat us with the pass. So it's a matter of how quickly Taysom, affectionately known as Taters by, by Kyle, uh, Van, Kyle Van, Noy, Van Noy. Because he's from Pocatello, Idaho. Brilliant nickname. <laughs> how fast. Give me some of your tots. <laughs> Lucky. Tater, how fast can Taters 
adapt and strike big when the defense opens up downfield. Let us not forget that one Taysom Hill in his uh, second start uh, against Utah State went 24 of 36 with a pick and a touchdown last season. 235 passing yards. The dude is capable. He can do it. It's not been good the first two games. Uh, We've said this stat earlier in the week, and I want to bring it back up. He's completing 33% of his passes. So one out of every three passes is a completion. For every 10 plays called thus far, BYU is rushing the ball six and a half times and then passing it three and a half times. This means one out of every 10 plays called is a completed pass, which is super weird at BYU. But BYU had an amazing rushing game. BYU will have to pass the ball effectively to beat Utah. It's going to happen. Utah is going to be so physical in the box, they're going to stack it, and Taysom's going to have to pass. We'll ask BYU quarterbacks coach Jason Beck about that that coming up in the show. And tomorrow when Steve Young joins us, we're going to talk to him about what he saw as a player as he started to rush the ball effectively and what he had to do through the air and improve his, his throwing motion. Now, Steve Young, if you're not familiar with his background, was not a passing quarterback. In fact, he came to BYU, and a lot of people had an issue with his lack of ability to throw the ball. Go look up his statistics in the NFL. One of the most efficient, accurate passers in the history of the game. Do you know what his complete? I didn't know till this morning. His completion percentage is junior and senior years when he was a starter. Steve Young at BYU. I'm going to guess like 70%. 67 yeah. his junior year, 71 his senior. I mean, the dude made improvements and in a hurry, and it's a natural comparison to say Taysom Hill is the next Steve Young because he has that running ability. How fast can he get to the passing game? He's 23 pounds heavier than Steve Young, by the way, and an inch taller. Taysom Hill is more of a physical specimen than Steve Young was. And at, uh, at some point this year, if Taysom continues to rush the ball effectively and BYU wins, the Tim Tebow comparisons are going to come out nationally. Tim Tebow did not have a good arm. Taysom Hill has a way better arm. He's just not... They're mechanics issues. Blaine Fowler on Monday joined... Or Tuesday joined BYU Sports Nation. And he talked about that. Taysom Hill's arm is good. He just has some mechanics issues right now. Throwing a few dropped passes every now and then, and you get 33%, which is unacceptable, but it's going to be better. It will get better. Inevitably. ESPN College Football Analyst and former BYU lineman Trevor Maddich spoke with us on BYU Sports Nation on Maddich Monday... Every time I hear that, I want to say, just another Maddich Monday. <laughs> anyway, as complimentary as he was about Taysom. You might Taysom, be the only one after we hey, that. Hey, settle down, Jerem. <laughs> as complimentary as he was about Taysom and his ability in the run game, he offered up his concerns for the Cougar passing attack. Well, what concerns me is that you should have a, a tremendous passing game with that kind of a rushing attack because the defense should be up at the line selling out to stop the run. And certainly they were. And yet BYU only completed 33% of their passes in this game, and that's concerning to me. So, I'm taking that one completed pass in 10 plays is not good. Right, Jerem? Correct. Okay, well, again. Fact. It will get better. Taysom Hill, glad you brought up that stat against Utah State. 24 of 36, over 200, and a touchdown pass. Beat a team that finished ranked in the top 25. His first collegiate pass was a touchdown against Washington State. The dude has the ability. 18-yard touchdown to Kanea Kufriel. Yep, it was awesome. Topic number two, Cougar mauling. 
this week they were violent in the run game. They were out there creating collisions, knocking people around. You know, part of it is physical. They were physically better. I think their footing was better. They were able to get off the ball. But but most of it is mental. That was Blaine Feller on Tuesday on BYU Sports Nation talking about BYU's violence in the run game. For some reason, the BYU offensive line changed. The, they had a paradigm shift, as Stephen R. Covey would say. And from game one to two, all of a sudden, effort and attitude and confidence just totally changed. And it felt like there were five Garrett Two Js out there. Oh yeah, that, that guy is so intense. I mean, the way he motivates his players is really—it's inspiring to watch him coach on the sidelines. And that team, you mentioned the motivation, the effort. Bronco Mendenhall, I said this yesterday during media day. He said, "Whether we win or lose, teams are going to think, man, it's hard to play that team. They really play physically, and I'm sure." There is not one player on the Texas roster that saw game time that got on the field that thinks BYU is not a physical team. And in the offseason, part of this switch to the go-fast-go-hard offense was to get the offense to play at the same pace and, and style as the defense. They get down and crouch and uh, you know, come out of a three-point stance and run on the field. Uh, they have a certain attitude and swagger about them. And we saw that uh, carry over to the offense. The defense has had it. And Brandon Ogletree, former BYU linebacker, was on the show yesterday. He talked about how physical and awesome the defensive line played against Texas. Against Texas, they continually dominated a really talented Texas O-line yeah, with three- and four-man rushes, especially even three-man rushes with Ethan and Bronson and Remington Peck getting into the backfield. And when you talk about BYU in Utah... It is the most physical game that BYU plays every single year. UNLV would do this in men's basketball when BYU was in the Mountain West Conference. They would play overly physical, knowing the refs would not call that many fouls. Everything, yeah. Yeah. So what Utah does is they come into the game, and they'll scrap, and they'll hold, and they'll mini-punch, and they'll do everything. You know, BYU, do, and BYU does it back, you know. But the refs aren't going to call a holding penalty on every play. So what's going to happen is BYU's going to need to meet the physicality and, uh, and off the bat. And I liked something else that Brandon Ogletree told us yesterday. The way that you set tempo isn't necessarily physically like that. You can't kind of quantify that. It's by creating turnovers. And that's been the big difference in Utah's wins the last couple of years is that they've won the turnover battle. Uh, can, you, can you recall the turnover discrepancy from 2010, Jerem? Or 11, was it? When uh, Utah scored 54 points. I think there were seven turnovers, correct? It was not good. Yeah, not, not good. So it, it makes a difference. Although the interesting stat to me from the Texas-BYU game last week was BYU lost the turnover battle 2 nothing, and still won the game 40-21. to But When, when you rush for 5-50, exactly. who cares? I, <laughs> it makes up that, for... It's, it's when it's an even game other than those turnovers. Yeah. That, that's when that makes a difference. Yeah, getting back to Ogletree, he's a guy that knows a thing or two about defense. I uh, led the team in tackles in 2012 as a BYU Cougar. Um, kind of soft-spoken guy. If you listen to him yesterday, um, not overly exuberant, but he's very insightful, very cerebral, and a very intelligent uh, person when it comes to breaking down football in general. Great defensive mind. You can read his stuff, ogletreefootball.com. Topic number three now. Goodbye? It's huge. This is 
like the Super Bowl. Um, there's no line. I'm 0-3 against them, and I want to win. It's plain and simple. I want to beat them. Uh, they don't like us, and we don't like them, and um, that's okay because it's going to be a bloodbath, and we're going to show up for it, and we're going to rally the troops in this bye week, and we're going to come ready. They don't like us. <laughs> we don't like them, and that's okay. That's that sets the stage. Let's kick off right now. Absolutely. After hearing that, is it September twenty first yet? <laughs> By the way, eight fifteen Mountain Time kickoff on ESPN two. Ten fifteen on the East Coast. Stay up late. It'll be worth it. BYU, Utah. Going back to what Van Noy said, rallying the troops. That takes us to our poll question. Our thought provoking uh, BYU banter today on Twitter. Give us your thoughts at BYU Sports Nation. Would you prefer to have the bye week this week or to just play Utah right after Texas and ride that wave of momentum? Bronco Mendenhall said he wishes he could play Utah this Saturday to take the momentum from Texas, take all that positive energy, and just go play. Go hit people. Me, as an analyst slash fan, I would prefer that BYU have a bye week to rest. Heal up some of those injuries. Hoffman dealing with a hamstring an issue. Uh, Jamal Williams was beat up against Texas, ran like a champion, but he could use the extra rest. He's averaging thirty what thirty one and a half carries a game right now. Yeah, that's what an wow. NFL, that's an NFL running back resume right there. Thirty thirty plus carries a game. That's a crazy amount of carries, even for an NFL running back nowadays. Jamal second in the nation in rushing yards, by the way. Uh, Taysom believe, fifth. Yeah, Taysom fifth. Hundred sixty three a game for Jamal right now. He's on pace for 2,100 yards. Yeah, 326 <laughs> yards for two games for Jamal Williams. And again, Taysom, fifth. Go figure. BYU has two of the nation's top five leading rushers. Remember that from this season. You're going to remember a couple of things. You're going to remember tradition, spirit, honor, jersey thing. You're going to remember <laughs> the Texas game in, in all its glory. Remember that BYU had, after week two, and hopefully after week eight and 12, two of the fo- top five rushers in the country. The last time I could recall BYU having an elite rusher, so of, of course, Luke Staley, 2001. Pete Van Valkenburg, Bell Edwards, first year, 1972, leads the nation in rushing. You got a, go, a guy like Jamal that very well could do that this year. Yeah. Carrying over from Arizona, what Robert and I did with, is it Kadeem Carey? Kadeem Carey, yeah. Kadeem Carey, who had 1,900 yards. I'd never heard of him till after the season, by the way, last year. The dude had 1,900 yards and. That's a that's a ton of yards and it, was he top ten Heisman? Like I didn't hear anything. Yeah, he started to generate some some serious buzz at the end of the season as those yards continued to pile up. But it's a tribute to Robert and I and uh, his ability to implement the run into a pass heavy offense. But we go back to our initial point: Do you want to take all that momentum, all that wave of energy you created from 550 yards against Texas on the ground? almost 700 yards of total offense, and play Utah this week. you want to do it now, or do you want to rest, think about it some more, create more buildup, and then go play? Tweet us at BYU Sports Nation and vote on our poll, BYUTVSports.com. I've, I can see both sides of this. The teams that have gone into the Super Bowl and, and won the past several years were not the teams with the buys in the NFL. It was the teams that won the wild card game and got hot. And so... There's something to that of playing and then going up against uh, – you carry that momentum, you have energy, you're going, you do that. But then there's things like Jamal's back. He says he's okay, but you know what? A week's going to help, especially if you're giving the guy 30 carries. 
even if that's 20 against Utah, that's that's a ton of carries. Uh, and other other guys that were banged up, I know Dallin Levitt may have been concussed on a kickoff. Uh, Eric Thornton. Foot injury. Foot injury. And so there's a couple guys that you want to get healthy. So what what would you rather have? Uh, tweet at BYU Sports Nation. Let's get to a couple of those before we go to break. At Joshua F. Jensen. Doesn't matter. Just win, baby. <laughs> Bottom line guy. Every day we're quoting Al Davis of the Raiders. <laughs> Just win, baby. At Dodger Jazz Cougs. Covers all three of his teams right there. I think that Jamal Williams could use a week off. Amen. Yeah, and that's what we're going back to. We'll have plenty more of that. And coming up on BYU Sports Nation, BYU quarterback coach Jason Beck. He joins us in 20 minutes to talk about how the team will improve using that bye week. And we check in with women's volleyball coach Sean Olmsted as he progresses his team for a big match tonight against UC Irvine. But coming up in three minutes, Yahoo Sports college football writer Graham Watson tells us what BYU has to do to gain more national relevance. You're listening to BYU Sports Nation. And now, back to more Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation on the BYU Radio Sports Network. Spencer Linton, Jerem Jordan here. You can follow us at Spencer underscore Linton and at Jerem Jordan. Join the show's growing Twitter following at BYU Sports Nation. Graham Watson is an editor and writer for Yahoo Sports, uh, the college football blog, Dr. Saturday. Watson spent time in Provo covering the Cougars before. We welcome Graham to BYU Sports Nation. Graham, how are you doing this morning? Excellent. Trying to keep my head above water here in Colorado. What's going on in Colorado with the, uh, is it a rain, heavy storms and stuff? We're, we're flooding. We live right outside of Boulder, so we're, we're flooding out here. It's kind of, it's kind of, <laughs> it's fun. Let's just say that. You know, watching all the kids outside with their inner tubes, that's uh Oh, Wow. Wow, yeah, come to if you if you come to a BYU game, you, you may see that if if you haven't heard with Virginia and Texas the weather last, last <laughs> oh, week's yeah. been crazy. Oh yeah, yeah, it's a lot like that only just nonstop. It's just it's been going all week and we haven't had a single break from the rain. It's just been raining all week and I was listening to the radio earlier and they said if this has been December and it's been snow, there's been 160 to 200 inches of snow in the What? Wow. Exactly. That is insane. That is not right. Well, it's September. I mean, in all seriousness, we, we wish you the best and, and hope everybody is safe out there in the, in the Boulder area. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, we're, we're, we're all right. We haven't floated away yet. <laughs> Good to hear. Graham, uh, you're a college football expert, no doubt about it. You, I'm sure, have heard plenty about this Texas-BYU fallout. But are the Longhorns and their demise really overshadowing BYU more than it should be? Or what's your take on that whole thing? Well, you got to understand, I mean, Texas is, is Texas. And a lot of people thought Texas not only could win the Big 12 this year and, and play in a BCS Bowl, which they haven't done in you know quite a while in Texas terms, uh, but you know some people thought they could even challenge for the national title this year. I mean, people had really high expectations for this team and for them to get blasted by BYU the way they did, especially with BYU coming off a loss to Virginia. A Virginia team that's not that good, a Virginia team that's probably not going to go to a bowl game. And, and, and so it was just sort of perplexing, and I think more people are, are paying attention to Texas because of Mac Brown, because Mac Brown has been under the microscope for a year. Manny Diaz was under, his defensive coordinator was under a microscope for the past year. And, and so I think people are more stunned 
uh, about the way Texas lost than they are stunned about the way BYU won. And and it's not fair because BYU won that game. I mean, they they flat out beat the pants off uh, off of Texas there. Uh, but yes, a lot of people are looking at Texas because this was supposed to be the year Mac Brown finally turned around the team. Graham Watson of uh, Yahoo Sports with us here on BYU Sports Nation. Graham, what's the perception uh, of BYU after the first two games, given what happened, like you mentioned, a loss to a what BYU fans feel was an inferior Virginia team, and then beating a talented but maybe underachieving Texas team? It's almost disappointing that BYU has the week off because I think they really could have capitalized on the momentum from the Texas game and and really turn that into some, some good national perspective because I think people, it's still fresh in everybody's mind, and had they come out and, and beaten somebody this week, uh, you know, if they had moved that Utah game to, to this week, and that would have been, I think that would have gotten people talking. Unfortunately, BYU kind of fades out of sight and everybody's still looking at Texas and, uh, you know, a whole host of other teams. And, and, you know, by the time BYU comes back around and beats Utah, I don't know that everybody's going to be all, all warm and fuzzy to, to the Cougars as they would have been had they played this week. Uh, but I do think, I think people were shocked. I, I was very shocked about them losing to Virginia. I know there was the weather delay. You know, there was all sorts of weird things that happened with the offense. I was really shocked about the offense. I knew the defense was going to be good. Uh, I thought Taysom Hill would be fantastic this year. I thought what he did against Texas, he'd be easily able to do against Virginia, and he wasn't. And they they stalled a lot there, you know, especially toward the end. And um, that was very, very surprising. And it kind of took me aback, and and I picked against them in Texas. I thought that if their offense couldn't get it together, Texas was going to run them off the field. And and the fact that they were able to regroup offensively and, and really take it to the Longhorns offensively and defensively shows that this is a much better team than we thought after the first after the first week. And I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do the rest of this year. You share the sentiment that Bronco Mendenhall does, and that is let's keep it rolling. Let's take that Texas-sized wave of momentum and go play whoever. But they, they have the bye. Texas, meanwhile plays Ole Miss, oh, by the way, in the national spotlight, I believe, Mm -hmm. on ABC. How important is it for the Longhorns, in terms of helping BYU and and their strength schedule, for the Longhorns to go out and and beat Mississippi on Saturday? If Texas can go out and and beat Mississippi the way it beat Mississippi last year, I I believe that that score was something like 66-31 to last year. If they can go out and and have a performance like that, then that definitely helps BYU. I think... think it, it, it's kind of twofold. I think it helps BYU by people going, "Wow, you know, uh, Taysom Hill, that, that kid might be for real." The way he ran on the on the Texas defense, the, you know, especially if Texas is able to to keep Ole Miss, you know, their rushing yards under 550. You know, if they're able to do that, then you know, I, think, <laughs> I think people are gonna gonna really perk up. But you know, I, I think that that Texas does need to keep winning. Um, they need to keep winning for themselves, but I do think it helps BYU. On the flip side, BYU needs to come out and, and beat Utah. Utah's looked pretty decent this year. I actually thought they were going to lose to Utah State. That was a very close game. Um, but I, I think Utah's a good, a good team. They don't have – the problem with BYU is they don't have, like, a really, really, like, good schedule this year. I know they're trying. I know they're still in kind of the infancy of this independence thing, and they haven't really been able to drum up the momentum with, with a Notre Dame-esque schedule. And, and, you know, they're still playing some, some low-level teams like a Middle Tennessee, uh, at Houston. And, and I'm, I'm sure when they scheduled Houston, I'm sure you know, Houston was a lot better than it is now. Um, but this schedule is by far better than when they started with Independence. 
and they do get progressively better when they add, uh, you know, Michigan and, and you know teams like that. But I think the schedule is really is really what is hurting BYU uh, in the long run because yes, they beat Texas, and we're all very excited about that. And Utah could go on to be a very good Pac-12 team, but then they play Middle Tennessee State, and we all kind of go, oh, well, I'm not going to watch this. But, I don't really care. But a, a Georgia Tech, a Boise State, a Wisconsin, Notre Dame, that doesn't have the sizzle, you think, nationally that BYU needs to maintain relevance? Should they only lose two or three games this year? Georgia Tech doesn't. But if they can go undefeated getting into that Boise State game, now Boise State was another one that, like, they've when sizzled they played against yeah. Washington. It was just, man, it was like, man, really, Boise? Yeah, let down. And, right. And, and they can recover. And, you know, they're not going to lose to Air Force tomorrow. Air Force is bad. Um, that conference is not really all that great. You got Fresno State in there, and and they're good. Um, and then Wisconsin. I think the jury's still out on Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin is very good, but we're going to learn a lot about Wisconsin when they play Arizona State this weekend. So you know they 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 haven't allowed a point. You know, I, I, and so but they played like uh, Tennessee Tech and and somebody else who I can't even remember. I mean, somebody who doesn't even register on the on the radar. So I think when they get to Wisconsin, if they can be undefeated going into that game, well, undefeated through the through the next little chunk of games that they have, then yes, that game becomes very interesting. That game becomes a very uh, prominent national game that everybody is looking at, especially if Wisconsin's in the hunt uh, for, for a BCS bowl. So um, if they can get to that game unscathed, that means getting past Boise and getting past Georgia Tech, who uh, I'm yeah, lukewarm about, and getting past Utah State, who's been playing really well. Uh, I think that, that people are definitely going to be keeping their eye on BYU, and and people are going to be talking about BYU quite a bit. Well, given that backdrop, and obviously the Cougars winning will generate buzz, but as an independent, how else can they remain a major player on the national landscape? You know, it, it, it's having star players, and they do have star players. You know, Kyle Van he's a star player. That is a that is a a quote unquote franchise player. You know, people know his name. He's on all sorts of watch lists. He's the guy. And Taysom Hill proved that he can be a star player. He's what everybody's hoped Jake Heaps would be. You know, that, that, you know, Jake Heaps was this big-time recruit, and everybody thought he would just be the, the absolute you know, savior of the program and bring back what, what Max Hall and Dennis Pitt did for the team and, and stuff like that, and it didn't work out. And now Taysom Hill, he had his knee injury, and watching him lumber through the <laughs> through the Texas defense with that big knee brace, I I found that quite uh, interesting. I found that really interesting and and really surprising. And and I I mean I watched Taysom Hill a little bit last year, and he showed flashes of like, whoa, this kid could be could be really fantastic. And now he showed it again, and if he can continue to do that, he's going to generate a lot of buzz, and people are going to want to watch him play. Those those dual threat quarterbacks. Are, are fun to watch. Now he has to brush up his passing. His passing is pretty bad against Texas. I mean, he did a lot of his work on the, on the ground. But if he can really develop over the next few weeks and, and really have a great game against Boise, I think people are going to perk up and, and want to watch him as well as watch the BYU defense, which, as I said, has been fantastic and was fantastic a year ago. Chatting with Graham Watson of Yahoo Sports, uh, I saw on Twitter this week, and we've joked, that's got to be the most rushing yards, 259, by a quarterback in a knee brace. 
in NCAA history <laughs> by far. Uh, Graham, Absolutely. And BYU's benefited by it, and it's a stronger schedule. But you're right; it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Ha- there's not a um, there's not a top ten team on this schedule. Maybe it emerges later. But BYU does benefit by the fact that it will play on ESPN, so it will be seen a little more if BYU can continue to win. But looking ahead, BYU as an independent. The BCS goes away after this year. There's a four-team playoff. What will it take for BYU to be in the mix uh, going forward um, as as the BCS goes away? Yeah, that's going to be tough. You're going to see everybody uh, cranking up their schedules. I think you're going to see a lot more of these marquee games early in the season. The the days of SEC teams playing Sunbelt teams, I think, are going to start going away, um, or or they're going to they're going to lessen. They're not going to play two. They're going to just play one or you know, they're not going to play too lower, lower level, and, and I apologize to all our Sun Belt fans out there, but you know what I mean. Two, two lower level teams um, in, in a season, it's just not going to happen anymore. They're going to start playing more marquee games, and BYU has got to start striking some some deals to make themselves part of these marquee games. They're going to have to, they're going to have to suck it up and, and go play some of these places. They're going to have to to go to to a Michigan. They're going to have to go to an Ohio State. Uh, you know, it, it's not going to be really fun for BYU fans because they're not going to want to see their team go on the road to these pretty difficult places, but that's how they're going to start generating buzz and putting themselves in the conversation. They're going to have to get that, that, that Texas game where, in Arlington again. You know, th- that's what they're going to have to do. And as an independent, they have the freedom to do that. They have the money to do that. And, and that's what is going to put them in the spotlight, playing these harder games and not just playing them, Winning them, and they're not going to win them right right off the bat. They're not going to go next year and you know uh, you know beat some of these teams that that are that are you know that have been consistently good. They're they're going to have to work their way up to this in 2016, 2017. You know, then we start seeing momentum, and and the guys on the team now have to lay the foundation for you know this team to start ramping up and being being a good independent, being what. Everybody wants Notre Dame to be, and what Notre Dame, I guess, was though I think people have their arguments about whether Notre Dame was as good as they as their ranking suggested. But to have that, not only that momentum, but to also you know have that reputation that people want to play them and want to consider them a game that's worth playing and a game that will help them down the road as as those opponents are also trying to get into that into that playoff. You make a great point, Graham, and. You know, the good thing for BYU is not only are the Cougars trying to make the schedule tougher and go out and, and get those big-name teams, but other teams are seeking to do that, which is why Wisconsin and Texas and USC are agreeing to play BYU because they, too, want to beef up that schedule. Great stuff. Great to have you on the show, and we appreciate the time. No problem. Thanks for having me. Up next, BYU quarterbacks coach Jason Beck. What is he telling Taysom Hill to improve? the much-discussed passing game or lack thereof. This is BYU Sports Nation. This is BYU Sports Nation on the home of the BYU Cougars, BYU Radio. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Spencer Linton, Jerem Jordan here. You can follow us at Spencer underscore Linton and at Jerem Jordan. We are joined by former BYU quarterback and now current quarterback coach Jason Beck. Jason, welcome to the show. How are things going? Going great. Uh, really good to be on with you guys. Absolutely. We uh, we appreciate the time that you take with us. And uh, in your busy schedule this time as a quarterback coach, things are a little different now with the BYU Cougars compared to the offense that you were running. What have you liked about this new go-fast, go-hard offense uh, through two games in this season? You know, I like uh, that it 
puts the onus on our players to play as hard as they can and to play with great effort, uh, which is something they can control and take pride in. And so just with that up-tempo, uh, having to be in great condition, uh, pushing yourself physically, you know, that's that's a great challenge for our players. Um, and the style of play with the QBs being more involved in the run game and, uh, you know, being able to make plays that way uh, makes it a lot of fun for them. How fun has it been for you to see not just the concepts coming out of spring, but the actual execution and then what was just a, a blaze of rushing yards and total offense against Texas? Yeah, I mean, uh, the biggest thing that we talk about is just focusing during the week on each day's practice on giving a great effort, playing as hard as you can, and executing um, against the scout team in practice. Because if you do it against the scout team, then uh, it gives you the opportunity to do it on game days. And so we just uh, you know, put a lot of hard work and pride into that, and it was great to see the preparation um, and the work pay off on Saturday. You're listening to Sports Nation. We're talking with BYU quarterbacks coach Jason Beck. Jason, I said to you on Saturday on the field before you went up into the press box that I, I had a good feeling. And I got a good feeling about this, and you said, well, that's good. Did you anticipate that that good feeling would turn into 550 rushing yards? No, I mean, you never anticipate that. Uh, you know, you feel good about the preparation and the work you put in. You feel good about uh, the scheme and that you'll be able to execute it for, for positive plays. Um, but you never anticipate, you know, breaking a handful of those real long runs and, and racking up, you know, that amount of yardage. What did Virginia do that Texas did not defensively? Um, you know, part of it was, you know, they're a different scheme. Um, they approach it that way. But a lot of it um, that we focused on with our guys is just what we did and what we controlled. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't feel like we played um, with great effort. We didn't feel like we executed at a high level with all 11 guys. It seemed like there was always one or two guys that were missing an assignment. And so that's why we just really focused on, you know, all 11 guys doing their job um, and feeling like if we did that, then it would translate to Saturday. Jason Beck, quarterbacks coach of BYU with us on BYU Sports Nation. Spencer Linton, Jerem Jordan here. Jason, Taysom Hill went crazy uh, with his legs on Saturday against Texas, 259 yards, second most ever for a BYU player behind only Eldon Fortai. And really, Eldon Fortai was a running back in the single wing playing quarterback for BYU. So totally different scenario. But he was able to run the read option so well that it looked like Texas had no idea what was coming. In fact, ESPN analyst Trevor Maddish told us on Monday that Taysom Hill confused him and made him look to the wrong guy more than a few times, and he looks at the read option all the time. What have you seen from Taysom in camp that made you think he would be successful in that specific uh, scenario? Well, um, you know, he's obviously a smart player, uh, and he prepares really well, so he knows what looks he's getting and what he's doing execution-wise. And then we were fortunate. We caught him a couple times. You know, they brought some pressures. They were in man situations, and when he gets out to that second level, they don't have, they didn't have a guy um, accounting for him, and so he was able to extend those into to really long runs. Um, but uh, you know, he he has that athleticism, he has that ability, um, but it comes back to that preparation, that hard work during the week to recognize what he's what he's seeing, what the looks are, you know, when to pull it, when to give it, uh, when to flip it out, you know, to the other back or receiver on the perimeter. So all those 
those different uh, looks. I'm going to go on a tangent for a sec before we get into the passing game in Utah. So you you wear Ja Beck, J.A. Beck, on the back of your jersey when John Beck was here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you, you know, you're just Beck now be, because John's <laughs> not around. But John shows up Saturday to the Texas game. Were there any Ja Beck references because Joe Beck <laughs> was in the house? You know, there was a couple jokes during the, uh, <laughs> the weather delay because John came in the locker room and so, we're, you know, during some of that time. Some guys were making some some jokes and some comments about the that back in the day, so it was pretty funny. I told a story yesterday on the show where we're playing pickup. Uh, you're uh, a regular member, not so much during the season, but in the off season in our uh, Tuesday Thursday athletics pickup uh, basketball games at noon. If you want to come watch Smithfield House Richards Building, we have the numbers. <laughs> we don't need random people showing up, but we need fans. <laughs> so so one time I I said Ja Beck. I yelled at you as we're on the same team. Ja Beck and Andrew George said. Just call him Beck. John's not around. You know, it's just it's just Beck. So I'm sure that's uh, carried on for a while with you. Well, you know, me and John always wondered why they didn't just do Beck and J Beck. That that would who would have had the J enough? Yeah, either one. We didn't care, but yeah. we always were like, you know, Mick, the, the equipment guy. We're like, why didn't you just do that instead of J O and J A? <laughs> I loved it. Yeah, Joe and John. Yeah. Uh Jason Beck. Uh, by the way, we should note that. You came in in a really tough situation uh, behind John Beck and had a great game against Utah State in 2006 during a remarkable run. What was that like to step into that role and then throw for 300-plus and and lead your team on multiple scoring touchdown drives? Given that you were the backup behind John, what was the dynamic of that like? You know, it's just, uh, you know, it's obviously a lot of fun. You know, you practice and you work every week and then, um, as a backup, you know, a lot of times you don't get the opportunity to play. You always have to be ready and prepared and then, you know, see how it goes. But it was a it was a fun week knowing I was going to start, you know, all week and and working and preparing for that and then to um, go out on Saturday and have a good game and, and play well as a team and to win. Um, you know, it was a lot of fun to be a part of. A BYU quarterback throwing a completion percentage of 33% is a little unorthodox. So is 259 rushing yards. Um, so you have that with Taysom, and you know you have that. Yet at the start of the season, you uh, you know at Virginia, the conditions were wet. Um, there were some drop passes and whatnot. How do you help Taysom improve the passing game, knowing that teams are going to start to load the box and that the passing game is going to be huge? Yeah, we're going to have to throw it better and, and more efficiently for our offense to continue to take off and develop. Um, you know, at the quarterback spot, we're focusing on a couple things, you know, just fundamentals, technique, and, and consistency. Um, and then it's also a group thing. You know, it's all 11 guys um, with, with routes and, you know, what the coverage is and adjusting to things that way. And um, and so we are focusing on it. We're, we're working on it. Uh, we will get better at it. Taysom's very capable. Um, you know, there's been – been a few things here and there uh, that have caused it to be lower, but um, but he's very capable. Uh, we're working on it and uh, fully anticipating that that we'll be able to demonstrate that you know on Saturdays. Jason Beck, quarterbacks coach, BYU, joining BYU Sports Nation. Jason, you're a guy that pays a lot of attention to detail, and that's why Bronco went out and he wanted you to be part of his staff because you are very cerebral, very detail oriented. So, in your observation of Taysom. What are some of the things that you've seen that he can improve immediately that will help that passing game get better immediately? Um, with his footwork and his drops just being consistent and being balanced, especially at the top of the drop, um, 
is, you know, that's what we're really focusing on right now. Um, and then also with just our concepts, you know, what we're reading and where we're getting to, um, just being, making those the, the best thing we can do for him and for our offense uh, to complete the ball. So that's what we're focusing on this week, uh, you know, with the bye week to, to really improve, really get better and build that momentum heading into this Utah game. How much more do you expect Utah to go cover one or cover none uh, against you and force Taysom to beat you with with his arm? You know, I think that's kind of what they do anyways. Um, but they're obviously going to be very uh, careful with the run game and making sure they're they're shutting that down. So it'll probably just increase, you know, the odds of that happening. Now we approach the BYU-Utah game on September 21st. How is it different preparing for it as a coach compared to as a player? Yeah, it's really the same. I mean, you know it's, you know, it's a big game. You're excited for it. Um, it. You know, it helps you work, you know, and be focused during during that week of practice to to really execute and to prepare yourself well for Saturday. Um, you know, as a coach, it's just a little different as far as, you know, you're obviously getting your players ready instead of, getting yourself ready um, for that game. But but you really approach it with the same kind of excitement, uh, focus, and um, to lead into that game. Well, I know you married uh, Jamie Rendichbeck, former BYU women's soccer player. Is she loving how successful the uh, BYU women's soccer program's been last year and this year? Absolutely, yeah. She followed them last year, would watch games, you know, online. Um, and then, you know, really excited to be back in town so she can – you know, go out to practices and, and go and watch them this season as well. Yeah, so far so good. Yeah, exactly. Well, we appreciate the time, uh, especially during this bye week. We know it's busy preparing for uh, Utah, and uh, best of luck. Thank you very much. Thanks, Jason. All right, thanks, guys. Jason Beck, BYU quarterbacks coach. Let's update our poll. Uh, would you prefer BYU to play Utah this Saturday or have a bye? That's on BYUTVSports.com. Sixty. Let's go 70% bye, 30% play Utah this week. Interesting. Graham Watson just joined us, uh, a college football beat writer for Yahoo Sports, a few minutes ago. Um, and then we spoke with Jason Beck. But Graham said some really interesting things, uh, some things that we downright disagree with uh, in terms of the schedule and the strength of BYU's schedule. But she offers a national perspective. So while much of BYU Nation feels the schedule in terms of strength is adequate this year with Wisconsin, Notre Dame, Texas, Boise State, she says BYU can't afford to play teams like Middle Tennessee, Idaho State. Um, and I'm, I'm looking for another, you know, easy win. Nevada, maybe? No. That, that's a tricky, not, that's not a tricky game. That's a tricky game. And she said Houston, she labeled Houston as a weaker opponent. Yeah, compared to Wisconsin, Notre Dame, Boise State. Yeah. But still, she, she feels that the schedule is still not strong enough. And I know that, Jeremy, you have some strong opinions about that. Well, I, I think when BYU schedules Boise State, they, they're thinking a team that's going to win 10 or 11 games, not a team that's going to get worked at Washington. Uh, when, and when you schedule Notre Dame, you, don't think, you think that that's going to be a 10 or 11 win team. When BYU scheduled Wisconsin, they didn't expect them to lose six games and go to the, but still go to the Rose Bowl. So Wisconsin, Notre Dame, Boise State are teams that you're hoping are ranked when you play them and that finish ranked. This is the strongest schedule in BYU history. It doesn't have the most great opponents. It's just the body of work over the 
the whole season. You don't have any more uh, f- four or five. You should win those games. You have only two or three where it's you. You've got to win those. And in BYU fans' minds, Virginia was one of those, and they did not. Houston, Middle Tennessee State, Idaho State. You've got to win those. Very few cupcakes. So the national perspective, at least according to Graham Watson of Yahoo Sports, BYU needs an even tougher schedule to remain relevant. She also said you need star players, and she brought up Kyle Van Noy. He's an absolute stud. The Jimmer effect. You can have an individual that makes you relevant. Yeah. So coming up on BYU Sports Nation, we dive inside the Cougar Whip Around. Volleyball coach Sean Olmstead tells us why BYU will defeat UC Irvine in three sets. Plus, today's Rise and Shout. This is BYU Sports Nation. Now, here's the Cougar Whip Around. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan here. Let's get to that Cougar Whip Around. Start with women's soccer. The sixth-ranked Cougars are in Eugene, Oregon. Very tough place to play as they take on the Ducks tonight, 10 p.m. Eastern time on the Pac-12 Network. BYU 4-0. They are unbeaten, untied, and again ranked sixth in the country, fresh off a dramatic victory over Utah. The Cougars play a home match Saturday against UC Irvine on BYU TV and BYU Radio, 9 p.m. Eastern time. You can watch that live. Hugh Van Wagner will be joining me on the call on that one. Tonight on BYU TV and BYU Radio, BYU versus UC Irvine in women's volleyball in the Smithfield House, 9 p.m. Eastern. And with that, we welcome 2004 BYU Men's Volleyball National Championship libero and third-year head coach of the women's volleyball team, Sean Olmstead. Sean, what is up? Hey, Jerem, what's going on, buddy? I've got plans at 8.30 tonight. The match yeah. starts at 7. Could I make it to that thing? I, I don't know what that thing is, but uh, I'm not going to go say that. I, I'm sorry, I can't do that. What, all I care about is winning a volleyball match, and I tell the girls all the time, whether it takes an hour and 20 minutes like Tuesday night or it takes three hours, we're in it for the long haul. Coach, we, we jokingly said that uh, before the break you were going to tell us why BYU would win this match in three sets, and Jerem's like, I hope he's not listening. <laughs> and that goes along with the, the 8.30 uh Meeting that Jerem has, whatever and wherever that may be. I don't be. have anything Jerem, at eight thirty. Up in town or something? What's going on? I don't Jerem? have anything at eight thirty. <laughs> okay, good Bed, deal. Bedtime, Jerem? Bedtime? Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> Bronco Mendenhall talked about his bedtimes around eight thirty. Yeah, mine. I've got a three month old, so you never know. What about no, you, Coach? No, What's no, your bedtime? Know. There you go. <laughs> hey, the volleyball team takes on a very talented UC Irvine team tonight. Uh, the Anteaters are 5-1. and one. You're coming off a nice home opening performance against Montana State. Three-set victory in a sweep in sweep fashion. What do you take from that game on Tuesday against Montana State that you're encouraged by tonight going against a tougher UC Irvine team? Yeah, you know, I think it's... Uh... We had a real nice uh, offensive effort. You know, I would have liked to be a little better defensively because that's what we've been really good at. But it's uh, it's coming around little by little. We've made some changes in the last couple of weeks with with some kids and personnel, and I think that's worked out for uh, the betterment of our defensive efforts. But our offenses uh, did a really really nice job um, Tuesday night, and so. I think we need to keep that click in here, especially here at home. And if we run our offense uh, kind of the way we're able to do it, we're we're really tough to stop. We're a really physical team this year. And so we look to kind of just add upon that and go from there. 
In 2012, you went to the Sweet 16, led by Jennifer Hampson and two really good seniors, middle blocker Nicole Warner and setter he- uh, Heather Hanneman. Those two seniors have graduated, and then you have a unique situation where the six foot seven Jennifer Hampson is redshirting volleyball to play basketball, mm-hmm. and then next year she'll play volleyball. What's been the biggest challenge of those three positions to replace so far? Um, well, you know, Jeremy, you should feel honored because you were one of the first people I talked to a long time ago about that. You know, yeah. so so uh, you know, throw me a bone every once in a while when you can for that <laughs> bone thrown. <laughs> but um, you know, we the, the leadership of those kids. Uh, you know, Nicole and Heather were completely different, but just absolutely the perfect leaders that we needed last year. Nicole was very vocal and, uh, you know, outgoing where Heather was just, she'd let her play and her work and practice and her effort do all of the talking and the girls just looked up to those kids. So we've lost a lot there. And Jen, uh, obviously the points she scored. So we're not trying to replicate any of those kids because we just can't. I think those kids were very special and unique and you never like to keep harping on old things but we've got some very talented kids that are looking and i'm excited that they have the opportunity to kind of find their own uh footing here on our team and and kind of gain that leadership opportunity as well talking with byu women's volleyball coach sean olmstead here on byu sports nation coach really quickly amber haddock made her debut in the smithfield house 17 kills coming out with a bang she joined us on true blue on monday how excited are you about her potential as a byu star yeah, Tamber's done a wonderful job, and she she has been getting better and better, actually, from week one to now, just constant improvement. And she's very physical, very strong, one of the hardest workers in the gym, on and off the court. And so she adds a, a ton to this team and to this group. But I, I just love the physicality that she plays with. She's never afraid to go and uh, challenge a block up high, and we want our kids to do that. We want them to go challenge hands and be physical up at the net. And that's, she's the, one of the first ones to go and do that. Well, best of luck, uh, BYU versus UC Irvine. The Anteaters in the Smithfield House tonight, 9 Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Best of luck tonight, Sean. All right. Thanks, guys, for having me. Thank you. All right. See ya. Now time for your daily Rise and Shout. And I'm going to give it to the young lady I just talked about, Tamber Haddock. 17 kills in her home debut in the Smithfield house, trying to fill some big shoes that Jennifer Hampson leaves behind, who is redshirting this year to play basketball. She will rejoin the team next year. Tamber Haddock, you get a rise and shout. You know, you know what else I want to rise and shout about? Steve Young on the show tomorrow. Steve Young on BYU Sports Nation. Make sure you tune in tomorrow, 12 to 1 Eastern time, 10 to 11 Mountain. Uh, make sure you tune in for that. should be exciting. Let's finish with just a couple of tweets. Our question was, would you rather have a bye week this week or uh, have BYU play Utah? At jco 96 Broncos team seem to always do well after a bye. I would love to get as much time to prepare to beat the Utes. Uh, at Elder underscore Barton, tough call. Bye week is probably good for the team, but it gives me more time to stress out as a fan. Hashtag beat Utah. Eldon Barton. At Kev Farns, considering how healthy the players are, I would have rather played this weekend. BYU is pretty healthy, he's right. I think I called Eldon Barton Elder Barton. I'm El- Elder! A missionary work on the mind. <laughs> oh, good grief. Jerem, help me out here. What's next? I can only do so much. At CJ Nelson 79 bye week to get Hoffman 100% and get Haig back, Mike Haig, boundary corner for depth. The depth is going to be a huge uh, huge discussion as the season progresses because Dallin Levitt went out of the game against Texas, so it will be important to get Haig back. Now, unfortunately, we are running out of time in this go-hard 
Go Fast show. Big thanks to our guest, Graham Watson of Yahoo Sports, BYU quarterbacks coach Jason Beck, and everyone on our crew, producer Ben Bagley, senior coordinating producer Michael Miner, BYU radio station manager John Shaline, and of course our production assistants Alan Miller and Spencer King, and the very stylish engineer Aaron Evans. Yeah, check out archived episodes of the show on BYU Radio's YouTube channel every afternoon for Jerem Jordan. I'm Spencer Linton, and you have just listened to BYU Sports Nation.